Hello, everybody. This is Math for Knitters. I'm your host, Lara. And I know it's been a long time, but I would really like to thank my fans and listeners who have left me notes either on the website or on Ravelry. And it is thanks to your questions and also very kind support and prodding that I am able to continue. This is episode 44, and I'm going to be kind of wrapping up some stuff and taking, um, well, answering your questions as best as I can. Um, if you have any more, please visit the show's website, math for knitters that's the number four, dot blogspot.com, or you can message me on Ravelry, that's math for knitters So it's pretty easy. If you see my little uh, fluffy kitty cat, Travis, then you have the right uh, person. So just to get started, I'm uh, currently on a short vacation. Um, actually, my, my industry is doing really poorly, so it's actually a furlough. Um, but so I, I've had some chances this week uh, to try to do some freelance work. And one of my friends in my knitting group, her daughter is actually getting ready to graduate from high school. So she asked me to do her senior pictures for her. And I did. And I didn't want to be paid in money. So she paid me in yarn. <laughs> and we were in the middle of the, the shoot on Monday. And she said, you know, I, I really want to give you something more because this is just so worth so much to me. You know, I'm going to keep these pictures forever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you can always give me more yarn. <laughs> so just a uh, little advice uh, to those of you who have knitters in your life. Um, we never really have enough yarn. <laughs> well, um, this is not going to be a show just about what I've been knitting, but I have been making a lot of socks lately, a very, very popular summer project. And if you're like me, you, I don't really use written patterns for socks anymore. I just have a basic pattern number of stitches that I use that's my, that I know is very well for my gauge and that fits the way that I want to. And I just, I've been trying different toes and heels though. And one thing that I think is kind of fun is I'm trying to keep track of each toe, how long each toe is. And that's really useful, especially for top-down socks to know how long it is, how long a toe is when you make it with your needles, with your yarn at that gauge. Because if you don't like the toe that comes written on the pattern, if, if you are working from a, from a pattern, you can always just stop at whatever length you need to stop in order to put the, the toe on. And, and that will work out really well. And if you're doing a toe up sock, um, that's not quite as necessary, but it can be, it can still be good to know if when you're planning out what you're going to make and how you're going to make it. So you can either keep in the back or the front of your knitting notebook, uh, each time you make a new toe, just write down how long it is. And it can save you a lot of guesswork and a lot of stress. Or, of course, if you're on Ravelry, you could probably save it there somehow. I, I guess you could keep a dummy project and just keep adding to the notes in it. Or if you're like me and you, you use iGoogle, you could use an iGoogle document and just keep it going uh, in a spreadsheet and keep it updated all the time. And that'd be kind of fun. So just a little geek geekiness <laughs> along with your knitting uh, today. 
but that's what I've been thinking about. I've been doing a lot of short row toes and heels, and it's, that's actually the first way I ever made a sock, and that was actually a little over eight years ago. No, no, it was nine years ago. Yeah, nine years ago, I made my very first sock, and I did it with a, a toe-up a short row. Short, So I did a short row toe, and then knit my body of my sock in a short row heel and I made the top and it was a cotton sock and this was in May and it was quite warm and so I just made it just like maybe five rows past the heel and bound off and there was my first sock so I still think about it actually I only thought about it just now <laughs> but um, I have used a lot of other toes and heels over the years but I, I just like the short row it works really well for me because I have quite wide feet but I got a question that if you have a very high arch, would it be more comfortable um, to change that short row heel? I don't have a very high arch, so I can't speak to that exactly. But if you do find that you want your heel to stick out a little bit more, you can just work more short rows. So if normally if you're working across, say, 36 stitches for your, for your heel and you would normally turn around and start going up in rows after you hit 12 stitches then you could go farther you could go to eight um of course it would look extremely pointy and i don't know what it would feel like so somebody with a high arch out there would have to try it and let me know but that in theory that should work very well um some people don't like short row heels simply because they have a very high arch and uh to those people i gotta say i'm sorry <laughs> i really like them and uh, I know they're a little scary at first, especially if you don't know how it's not going to look like it has all kinds of holes in it. But I find I wrap my stitches and I pick up my wraps. And I think I've talked talked about this fairly extensively in a, in a show dedicated to short row heels. But if you have any questions or want more clarification about it, just let me know. Um... I got a, a message from someone who wanted to know about sweater designs for short and round folks. I happen to be very short-waisted, and I'm not exactly a skinny person, so I understand exactly what she means. Things made for or designed for a size 6 dress form and sized up don't always fit the way you want them to. And to that, I have to say that the very first thing you need is completely accurate and what word do I want to use accurate and well just accurate measurements of your body you need your hips you need your bust you need your waist you need if there's an area um, like if your thighs are a little wider than your hips you need that if your butt sticks out and you want to make a really long sweater you need that you need and then you need the distances um, between different points of the sweater you need to know the distance between between your underarm and your waist where your waist hits on your body you need to know the distance between your waist and the hem of your sweater you want to know the length of your arm you need to know the width of the top of your arm and once you know all of those things you can then approach the sweater pattern that you want to use with those things in mind so if you're short-waisted like me and there's waist shaping in that sweater and it says to start after a certain number of inches you need to figure out how 
long that is from the arm from the underarm and see how that matches up or doesn't match up with your own measurements so it could be a little tricky and in a lot of ways adapting a pattern to fit you is a lot like designing a pattern from scratch and taking the elements of the sweater design that you do like and using them to your advantage that that's largely what i do um because i i've I don't think I've ever made an adult sweater completely off of a pattern because so, I usually have to change the gauge or the size or the length or the width or add more room for the bust or add more width in the shoulders because I have very wide shoulders. There's just a lot of changes. And so I think of it more as I have the architecture of a fit that I know works for me and that I like. And then I lay kind of on top of that the stitch pattern or the other elements from the printed pattern that I like. And that might be what you end up doing if you find that commercially available patterns don't fit you. Uh, there are some designers who are especially good at fitting uh, wider bodies. Um, let's see. White Lies Designs comes to mind. Uh, they don't. Ha they have very good sizing, but they also seem to be thinking about a larger body than a size six. There's also um, Big Girls Knits. I think there are two books uh, in that vein, and they they're, they're not just good patterns. They also have really good advice about the kinds of patterns that might work better for a bigger girl. And I haven't actually knit anything from those books yet, but I do own one of them, and I like it a lot. It's, it was very good reading and it talks about getting measurements and sometimes taking your own measurements isn't the best thing. Sometimes you really do get a more accurate measurement if you have someone else do it for you. And one of the suggestions in the Big Girl Knits book was to have like a measurement party uh, where you get together with a bunch of people and measure each other and write each other's measurements down. And that might help you be a little bit more honest really about the kind of fit that you want because ultimately if your clothes fit they're going to look better and you're going to be happier about having made them otherwise um, it just doesn't work you, you really I really believe strongly in knitting for the body you have not for the body you want or the body you used to have because if you do lose 40 pounds or 60 pounds or gain 40 pounds or 60 pounds you're going to have to start over again anyway <laughs> Chances are that slimmer or that bigger body is not going to necessarily change in complete proportion to the sweater that you've made. So you just really, really look better in the end if you just knit for you and who, for who you are and not for who you want to be. So there's that. Um, oh my gosh, there's another there's an online designer i think uh, no it was white lies designs and then there's hold on I, I just have to look it up because it's, her name is right on the tip of my tongue and it is driving me bananas that i cannot remember her name i even used to read her blog all the time oh this is bothering me uh, she's a really good designer and her, my favorite book of hers is called Romantic Knits. So I'm just going to Google that. And I know you will forgive me this moment of not knowing 
what the heck is, oh, it's called romantic style. Oh, I'm even worse than I thought I was. Oh, no, no, I was right. Uh, romantic hand knits, and it's Annie Modisit, Modisette. Oh, now I have to look at her website to figure out how to say her name. So embarrassing. I can never pronounce her name. And I have to Google Annie. Sorry, folks. And that now my neighbor's mowing his lawn, so I hope you can't hear that too much. Um, mode. I wonder if she has it in the... I know she had somewhere what her... how to pronounce her name. And I'm hoping it's on her blog. Let's have a look. Hmm. No, I don't know. I'm just going to have to guess. It's mode, mode, mode set. Mode set? I don't know. I'm sorry. But her website is mode knit, M-O-D-E-K-N-I-T dot com. And I just adore her designs. And I, they work well for any figure. But I think that she's especially well designed for women who have a little more sh uh, curviness and a little more heft. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. And she even has a great um, fit chart on her website for sizes, uh, all the way from extra small to triple XL. And I think that that's just great. So if, if you don't say, you know, of course you should know your own measurements, but if, if you're knitting for someone who you don't know their exact measurements, but you might know their general size, this might give you a good starting point. Although, of course, I cannot imagine knitting a sweater for somebody who I don't have the gumption to measure. <laughs> but Actually, one of the women in my knitting group um, was really proud of herself because she knit a sweater for her mother, and she didn't want her mother to know she was doing it, so she had her father take out one of her mother's sweaters and measure it. And I believe her, her father was some sort of architect or engineer because he basically drew her a schematic with all the different measurements. Like, it was fantastic. It was like, here's the waist, here's the hip, here's the, you know, chest area, here's the length of the arm, here's the length from the different... It was amazing. It was like the best possible, most... Like, oh, you couldn't go wrong with these measurements. And so she made the sweater and she gave it to her mother and her mother was like, well, this is, um, this is lovely, but it's, it's a little too small for me. <laughs> and she was oh, mortified. And it turns out that the sweater her father had picked up was a sweater that she didn't wear anymore because it was too small. So, oh, we all just died for her. So she actually unknit it and knit the whole thing over again, which is like, oh my gosh, it was awful. Um, okay, so there's that. I had another question about basically substituting yarn sizes in published patterns, which is basically changing gauge, which we have talked about before. And I'm just going to reiterate my generalized theory for that, which is W-I-P-H-I-M, uh, whip hem, or um, width in percentages, height in measurements. And the same thing, I, if, if the pattern itself doesn't already come diagrammed, then you should probably figure out by d multiplying the stitch gauge by the um, gauge of the uh, by the number of stitches or in the chest, for example, and draw yourself a little diagram for the intended size of the size that you want in that particular sweater. And then when you when you change your gauge, then you will do your your stitch gauge will be a certain percentage of the stitch gauge given in the pattern and say it's 80%, say it's 120%, you don't know, 
that'll be your the factor of multiplication. So it would be like, for instance, either 0.8 or 1.2 based on the two examples I just gave. And then you can take that number and multiply it through the whole pattern anywhere that you just worried about the number of stitches. And then to get the length of things, that, that won't work the same way, but to get the length of things, if the, if the pattern is already given in lengths, like say knit for five inches, then you're, you're good. And otherwise you just convert and figure out how many inches of length you have in each area of the sweater and then uh, take your row gauge and figure out, you know, how many rows you need for each section of the sweater. And that's it. And, and you could also, more simply, you could look at the next size up or the next size down and see which width measurement works best for you based on your gauge and the size you need. And then you're still going to have to change your lengths a little bit because most people, um, as you get larger in, in width, you don't necessarily increase in length in the same proportion, because that would be terrifying. <laughs> Wouldn't work at all, actually. Um, and in fact, if you look at Annie's chart that I just pointed you to, you will see that there is very little change between all those sizes of things like sleeve length and back length. And of course, a lot of that also is personal preference. I'm short and I'm short-waisted. I tend to make my sweaters quite a bit short. I make my sleeves very short uh, in comparison to most people. So some of that's preference and some of that's the fit that you need. So just play with it, have fun, and um, yeah, it's don't be scared. The major issue I have whenever I'm trying to do a pattern from scratch is knowing if I have enough yarn. And unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be a perfect way to do that. You could make a very large gauge swatch, like very large, S like say, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know, but uh, like a large gauge swatch and then weigh it. But then you would also have to know the air. So, okay. Yeah. You make a large gauge swatch, say at least, at least eight inches by eight inches, weigh it and figure out the area of it by you know eight by eight would be 64 square inches and then you could divide one by the other and figure out how many square inches you have basically per weight of your yarn per gram or per ounce depending on how you measure these things and then generally estimate the total area of your sweater which is a little tough but if you want to be generous it would be basically the width around the chest multiplied by the distance between the top of the shoulder and the underarm. That, and that would be a, uh, pretend that's a rectangle. And that would be the one area that you would need to know. And then you'd multiply that by three to get a general estimate of the total area of knitting in your sweater. So yeah, that in theory, you could do all that and find out exactly how much yarn you need. In reality, what I do is I just guesstimate. There, there are actually some published charts for estimation of the number of yards or yards or meters of yarn you would need for e a given project. It's based on a long-sleeved ladies sweater. And then you look up your w chest width and it t tells you how many balls of yarn you should need. I think it's published by Interweave. They have it at most yarn shops. And I 
I use that pretty extensively and it's usually spot on. I usually go with what they say plus a ball just to give myself a little leeway and then I can always return that extra yarn if, as if I would ever do that. <laughs> well, okay, so that's my little variety of topics today and I hope you enjoyed this show and I hope I didn't talk too fast. I, I know I was speeding up a little bit there. But once again, this is Math for Knitters, and I will see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.